Training, mindset, integrity, incremental improvement. What can you do better today? Start right here with the Pendola Project. Hey, this is the Pendola Project, and I am Matt Pendola. And I am producer Jake Parker. Matt, how's your week going? Oh, man, I was sick, actually. Yeah, you were. And you know what? That never, ever happens. I don't think I've ever seen you sick. I know it. Actually, we're going to have Wynn Allen on today. I'm really excited to talk to her. But she's been my assistant and then also turned trainer for six years now. And she said to me, I think you've only missed three days since I've been working for you, and two of those days were last week. So it's pretty rare for me. Yeah, and those are the cases where you actually believe them when they say they're sick, the people who show up all the time. Right. It's not like the employee who is just had a late night, drank too much, and, oh, I'm sick, I can't come into work. Yeah, I felt amazing once I got past my fever and I started to turn it around. Then by Sunday, I just felt like I was at 100%. But when I say 100%, I felt better than I had in a long, long time, which made me realize I'd been overreaching a bit. So I've been training for a few different events. I've got the North Face Championships coming up, Trail Championships, and I definitely want to do well there. I have some goals for myself, especially now at 46. I would like to beat my prior time on that course and... When I was there last time, I was five years younger, so it would be good for me to be able to improve what I did then. But at the same time, it made me realize I have to practice what I preach to my athletes. It applies to me too. And there has been too many times where I probably didn't sleep enough. I still get up and work. I'm pretty diligent about sticking to my schedule, but at the sacrifice of recovery And I didn't realize how tired I really was until I got sick, then felt better and realized I hadn't felt this good in a long time. And that was one of the things we talked about in this podcast. When you are coaching, when you act as a role model for others, you really have to figure out what it is that you think and having other people rely on you get a different perspective. Yeah. So we talked about habits and Monday motivation. So I have to establish a better habit here. Part of it is just going to be about getting to bed on time because I say I get up same time every morning and I don't think I should change that. And of course, I believe that when you fall asleep earlier, you need to sleep earlier. That's what happens. You get up at 4 or 5 a.m. or 6 or whenever you're getting up and when you fall asleep at 9 or 10, it's because you need to. But at the same time, because of my schedule, because of the schedule that I have to keep with my athletes, going to bed on time can be challenging. I agree, man. And there are plenty of reasons that I have to not go to sleep. Netflix is always right there. Yeah, no. And I I can be guilty of that as well. There's no question. I love some Netflix. But I think sometimes we have to say no. And that's where I'm getting to right now. By saying, no, I can't address this right now, I can't return these emails just yet, I can't return uh, this question I have from a prospective client, or even if it comes to other areas that I enjoy, like just talking to an athlete at the end of a session, 
I will talk with them for 30 minutes and I could have sworn it was 10. And it's after their session and we're just enjoying our conversation. I'm not sticking around because I'm being paid to do it. I'm talking with this athlete because I really enjoy it. But I have to remember I have a schedule to keep because if I stick around for another 30 minutes, that means that I'm going to bed 30 minutes later than I should be. So I just have to remember those things. That's a habit that you don't want to keep. And I'll tell you what, man, I'll tell you who has some great habits. Wynn Allen. Yeah. What an inspiring young woman. She's she's amazing. Of course, I feel like she's been a second daughter to me in so many ways. This is part of what I feel like I've really lucked out. We talk about having luck in our lives. Well, I don't feel like I could have done any kind of preparation to have Wynn walk into my life. When I first met her as a high school athlete and I was her coach, I had no idea, of course, that she would end up working for me for the last six years. And boy, did I luck out there. Yeah, and I wouldn't just call it luck. I think you actually activated that luck by, you know, preparing for it and working for it. But yeah, you also got pretty lucky with Wynn. She's an amazing person. I asked her to come on the podcast. She is leaving soon. She's going to pursue her dream of becoming a pilot which I call her brave. And in the podcast, you'll listen why I think she's so brave, but she's a brave young person that I really look up to, that my daughter Mia really looks up to. And that's what I really appreciate about her, our athletes, our family. We all look up to her and she's earned that praise. Yeah, and it shows because she has that quiet confidence where she knows what she thinks, she's good at it, but she doesn't throw it in your face. But if you ask for it, you will see. And now, please listen to Win Allen. The one and only Win Allen. How are you? I'm good. Tell me, Win, you are an assistant, a trainer. You are just about everything when it comes to Pandola training. You've done it all. You were once a client. It's true. What's happening, Wynn? What are you up to now? Well, starting at the beginning, I was a client in high school and then left to go to college, ran a little cross country in college at UNR, ran back into Matt, started working for him as an assistant, and then now I'm a trainer, been there for like six years now. Yeah, I think it's six years now. Yeah, which is crazy. That's about as long as I lasted too. So Yeah, okay. Yeah. There we go. So see you later. <laughs> Something about that six-year six mark. Year mark. That's enough. Can't take him anymore. That's enough. Yeah. Yeah, you guys are supposed to love me, but you all leave me. I know. The next one, Matt, just get ready now. It's like a puppy. It's like a puppy. It's going to be gone eventually. (laughs) (laughs) I want to say before Wynn gets going on her history a little bit more here, I would not have the culture I do without her. It's been an amazing journey. I'm tearing up just thinking about how Wynn's leaving us to go do bigger and better things for herself. But that's also part of the process to success that I'm proud of that Wynn's discovered about herself. Wynn, it's it's really an honor to have you in with us today. You're like a second daughter to me. You really are. I'm going to miss you, but I know we're going to stay in touch. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit more about what you studied at UNR. Um, I got my degree in molecular microbiology and immunology. What does that second word mean? Microbiology? No. Immunology. Thank you. That one. It's like your immune system. Bless you. 
(laughs) (laughs) Immunology. Immunology. Got it. Like immune system. Got it. Yes. So I studied that, which was cool, but I decided I didn't want to work in a laboratory. So now I'm going to be a pilot, which is not the same, but... You dropped that so nonchalantly. Mm -hmm. What do you mean you're going to be a pilot? Well, the goal is to be a Navy pilot. So I'm applying for that now, working on my private license. So ideally that works out. Have you flown Um, a plane? Yes. Wow. I can fly a plane. That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> When's the first time you flew a plane? It wasn't that long ago. Uh, like six months ago. Six months ago. Mm-hmm. And you've already passed your first test. You have one more test to take, One correct? more test to take, yeah. Amazing. You. I mean, that's that's really fast to go through that process, isn't it? It's pretty fast, yeah. And I know you were telling me part of the challenge, taking on something brand new like this that's that puts you into a space you haven't been in in a while and you enjoyed that challenge I know but tell us a little bit about that what was that like yeah I was thinking about it when you guys asked me that question and I was like I really feel like I haven't learned something from the beginning like from start not knowing anything like since I was a kid like I think as a kid you do all the time you like learn to ride a bike you like learn to ride cursive like all these silly things and it seems natural but as an adult, I was like, wow, I don't know anything about this. And it's a little bit overwhelming and a little bit intimidating at first, but just going through that process and like learning to be more proactive and studying and like getting back in that habit of, of really like opening up your mind to like what you can do, um, and not limiting yourself in that way not getting overwhelmed by like, and just taking those steps like one day at a time, like learning something new. Yeah. I, you know, you saw, I talk about learning in <laughs> cursive. Right. Like, my daughter, Mia, she's obviously learning how to, well, she knows how to write, actually, but I'm starting to do things in cursive with her. And I'm thinking, geez, I don't know if I ever really learned cursive. I, I feel <laughs> right. like I forgot how to do it. I did, too. I yeah. used to actually use it, and I would write everything in cursive, and then wow. I realized I am completely alone. No, no one, one else knows it. how no to one do does this. It. Started to feel really pretentious, and I was like, I'm going to just write like everybody else now. Yeah. That's right. All right. So when we're talking about how you're learning something brand spanking new. Yes. And yet you're doing it in record time. How did you learn to accomplish new things like this, have the confidence to do them so well? I don't think I always did. I think that a lot, even in college, I think I kind of struggled with just really limiting myself, like not being sure that I could do things. And I think, I mean, I don't know if there was ever like a one defining moment, but I think just over time you kind of recognize that like, oh, I, I can do things. Like it's not that hard to do new things and it just takes more work. Like I think that things get a little overwhelming, but it just takes more work and being able to really just focus yourself on what you're doing and like say, all right, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to do this. And I think maybe just getting more mature and like being able to do that, but also being at Pandola for sure, working with all our kids and watching them grow and like giving them advice and then realizing, wow, I should be taking that advice that I'm giving out to these things. It's easy to say it, but. And sometimes you think back like, what did I just say? That was really good. Right. I'm like, oh, I should try that. I should do that. Yeah. Exactly. That's also a really big tenet in the Buddhist philosophy, that beginner's mind, where you mm-hmm. are humbled, you are no longer the teacher, you are the student. It's a really, I think, healthy place to be, to be open to new things, open to the possibility that you don't know everything. Right. That's amazing. And you applied that and then you flew an airplane. And then I flew an airplane. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Always be a white belt. That's a great way of putting it. Speaking of which, I think I always will be. I am the newbie <laughs> at jujitsu, and I am making very slow progress. Just keep doing it. 
beginner's mind. There you go. If I advance, then I'll lose the beginner's mind. I don't want that. No, you can always be a student. Thank you. Even if you're the best. Right? Thank you. I'll, I'll take that to heart. I think I always <laughs> will be the best. I also, I happen to know your mom, Jackie. Yes, Jackie. I know your mom's very hard worker. Mm-hmm. I don't know your dad as well. I know he's a great guy. And he's got his attributes, but I just happen to know your mom a little bit better because she worked at the school that Mm -hmm. you were at the time where I was a coach. Mm -hmm. So knowing Jackie, she didn't really let you get away with much, did she? Oh, well, yes and no. I won't go into specifics on that. But yeah, I mean, I had a lot of siblings growing up. I have four siblings and we're all very close in age. So I think like from the day I was born, it's always been sort of a competition. And um, my mom never really like handed anything to us. It was kind of like, if you want something, you, you've got to work for it. If you want to play on that sports team, like you should get a job. If you want to go to college, like you should get a scholarship. So, I mean, nothing was ever really given to us. And there were five of us. So the things that we did have were split among five of us. Like we were comfortable for sure. I never had like a difficult childhood, but it definitely like promoted a competitiveness in all of us that I think was really healthy. And I think it's definitely made us all more successful people now that we're more grown up. From the day I met you, you were a hard worker. I remember when I first met you at cross country practice, your very first day, Mm -hmm. you were actually going into your senior year. I just wanted to do it for fun. For fun. And then you were my coach. <laughs> <laughs> I had different plans. There goes the fun. <laughs> well, quite honestly, that was the main ingredient to me is that you were a hard worker. You were industrious and enthusiastic. And I can't coach that. When mm-hmm. I see somebody who's like that, I'm going to try to take advantage of that. It was only going to help the team. Mm-hmm. And I know that really for somebody like yourself, you're only going to be satisfied pushing yourself anyway. And then I remember talking to your mom a little bit more, and she did tell me at the time that you weren't as confident in yourself in soccer, the sport that you came from. You kind of took some maybe mental hits there. Mm -hmm. And she also, at the time, we talked about how you had a twin sister, Mm -hmm. how there's a lot of comparisons there. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of generalities as well. Assumptions, I guess I would say. And um, what what's your sister's name again? Camille. Okay, Camille. And so there was a lot of mental strength that, that you needed to be able to overcome some of these self-doubts that you had. Tell us a little bit about that. How did you become so mentally strong now compared to then? It took a while. Even now, I feel like I don't, I don't necessarily think about me the way that other people see you. But I think now I'd see that more. Like if, if all these people are saying these good things about you, like there's got to be some truth to it, right? So there's no reason to, to doubt that. Where I think in high school and even in college, I, I didn't hear those things. I didn't internalize those things. When people were complimenting me, I was like, oh, that's silly. They don't really know. They don't really know what they're talking about. They don't really know how I feel about myself or whatever. But um, I think over time, you just, you just realize that those things, they do matter. It does add up. It all kind of comes together to sort of make you a more confident person. And I think being able to work with high school kids and kind of seeing them in situations that I know that I've felt that way. I know that I felt that way about racing or about playing a sport or just going through high school and, and being able to tell them that there's, there's sort of like, it gets better. You know, you grow up and it, it seems like a big deal now. And looking back on it, I'm like, oh, it's so silly. Like, who cares if my soccer game didn't go well? Like, I'm still a good person. And so I think it just takes time and you kind of 
you kind of learn to sort of embrace the compliments that you get and you embrace the the good things that you do do. And when you do succeed, like that, that should be a good thing and it should add to your confidence. Um, it shouldn't make you feel like you're not good enough to do the next thing. And it's definitely but. possible to take your humility too far. Yeah. When you want to be humble, yes, right. check yourself. Absolutely. absolutely. But when that starts to become, oh, I'm really not that great. Right. That's dangerous. Yep. Yeah. And I definitely, I remember you when I was a trainer at Pendola Training and you guys were coming in, you were one of the kids that I would work with sometimes. You had this really quiet way of motivating everyone because that was when you weren't a trainer. You were just, mm -hmm. you know, another athlete in the group and Whenever I needed to have some extra help getting the class, you know, going or on track, Wynn always stepped up and she just did it and then everyone else would follow. Yeah. That was amazing. <laughs> and I, I appreciated so, it. It made yeah. my job a lot easier, made me look better in front of Matt. And it obviously paid off for you too, because now you have been a successful coach for these, you know, past five, six years. Yeah. I think it's funny you say that because even now, like as a trainer, um, like Matt and I have very different training styles, you know, like he might be the one that comes in yelling and laughing. And I do definitely have a more quiet approach to it, which originally I did see as like sort of a negative thing where I was like, well, I'm not like, I'm not super excited. I'm not super outgoing and necessarily like, I don't know if I fit this personality, but I think just embracing who you actually are. I know it made me a better trainer. Just be like, this is how I train. This is what works. And it seems to work. They seem to, people respond to it. They do, yes. um, And I think the more confident you are in what you're doing, the better people respond to yeah, it. Yeah, and confident so. doesn't have to mean, you know, loud and center no. of attention. Right. But it just means certain. Right. Well, you know? and, the, and the guy who's taking over your position, mm -hmm. that's been a conversation we've had a lot about how we don't want him to be me. Right. You've been a great example for him because he knows that you have your own style. Right. You haven't abandoned your own character and you stick to what works for you, but you get the job done. You get the job done well. And also, again, white belt kind of mentality because Zach, this is the new trainer that's taking over. He says all the time, I don't know how Wynn knows what to do. If you just say real quickly, well, that kids so as is stuck and then when has them over there doing iso hold glute bridges or you know their serratus anterior isn't moving well and you have them doing low to mid trap activation movements and he's like how, how does she know just what to do and that took time for you to learn and understand that but it's not something that, that there's a specific script for, is my point. Mm -hmm. That's what's so hard, at least in our industry, I feel like. Yes, you have to know your anatomy. You have to understand how muscles work. You have to understand origins, insertions, actions, all those things. But there's a thousand different ways to do something. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's what can be so confusing and, and hard about at least in our profession, to do that. And somebody who's younger like yourself, to have the confidence to say, okay, out of these thousand different things I could choose from, I'm going to go to these movements. Part of that is experience that you've gained, but also confidence in saying that I know that this is as good 
if not better than these other movements, just the one that I'm choosing to do because I know it's going to work best for this particular athlete. Not all movements are the same for every athlete either. So again, very tough sometimes to decipher what should be done. You've spoiled me, Wynn, because you make me look good because I can just (laughs) say, Wynn, can you take care of this? Because I've got to address another issue, another athlete. And you do it just on the fly. We don't always know when an athlete's going to have an issue. That's why it has to be on the fly sometimes. Mm -hmm. And the script has to be flipped. And even though we made a plan, we're always making plans together for our athletes and their progressions. But this day, at this time, we have to go off script. And you do that so well. I don't think there's a lot of people who can replicate what you've done the way you've done it. I'm going to I'm going to really miss you. I, I think I, I, I think we're just going to retire. We're just, we're yeah, just going to close, close down. the gym. You can't do it that way. Yeah, time to close. That's the, no. the show, that's everybody. Let's call it a wrap. <laughs> yep. and, and poor Zach is I know. listening now to this. Going. Feel bad. <laughs> Zach's great. We love him. He is. He's yeah. he's doing an amazing job. He really is. Right. What do you what do you think about old old Zach? He's the one, by the way, who had the joke about you know, Wynn's twin sister. Is it? Lose or draw. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to say that in the podcast. <laughs> so I, he's laughing right now. That's listening funny. To it. Hopefully other people are Hopefully laughing other people well. are laughing. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Camille. We're laughing at you. I think, well, I mean, I think Zach's doing great. I think that he loves what he's doing. And that's really the most important part is just really loving the kids, loving the job, learning about the body. But I think part of it too is just recognizing that everybody's so different. Like you can get the same sport, two different kids. They're going to have two different issues. Even with the same issue, they're going to need two different protocols. And staying calm in that situation and just being like, okay, that didn't work. We're going to try something else. Like that didn't work. Try something else. Because no one's built the same way. No one moves the same way. Some people are going to get more from one movement than the other. And that doesn't mean that one's better than the other. It just happened to work for that person. And so the calmer that you can stay in that situation, the more that people believe what you're saying and the more they believe it the better it works so if I'm like all right we're gonna do this and we're gonna do this and it's gonna be great and you're gonna feel better rather than like me being like I don't know what I'm gonna do with you like how are we gonna fix you and then they get all nervous and then it starts feeling worse like I think a lot of it's really mental more confident I am the better it sort of works for everybody in the well, situation. Yeah. Imagine your doctor going, I don't know what we're yeah, going to exactly. do. <laughs> exactly. But also, but, let's not forget the humility it takes to get you to that point. Absolutely. You know what I mean? The it took humility a long time. to learn and to, to accept when you do get it wrong. Why did it go wrong? Yeah. Let's learn. And then later you can be confident that you will, if you don't know the uh, answer, oh, you will find a solution. Oh, yeah. I mean, at the beginning, I was like, how does Matt know mm-hmm. everything? overwhelmed all the time. Yeah. Now you, you know that exactly. that just simply wasn't <laughs> now true. Now you're just making it up. No. <laughs> um, but at the beginning, it was like, I don't even know what he wants. Like, just figuring out, like, what his language is mm-hmm. or how people, like, what he actually means. Sometimes he names things 10 different names. Yeah. And or, now I know them all, but. <laughs> right. But when you're first starting and you're like, Matt, I don't know what the serratus anterior is. is. Yeah. What does it do? Yeah. Yeah. But Matt's but, over here, like, go release this and then activate that. But yeah. you did say, oh, you were always like, are you taking notes? And I'm like, oh, I mean, I'm now, right? And so it was a process of really like investing in that and learning something completely new that I didn't know. And We talk so. about culture a lot. Of course, this is what the podcast is about. And what I really appreciate is because of what you've learned, 
with our new assistant coming in, which is Grace Hammond. She was an athlete of ours, very similar to your history mm-hmm. as far as being an athlete first, now coming into the training game. She's very interested in it, and she's a wonderful assistant already. But what you just mentioned, are you taking notes? Uh, well, I am now. And yeah. Grace, I think, has picked up a lot more things because she's seeing your example. I know you've spent some time just talking to her, too, about, well, you know, this is kind of what Matt's really looking for. Because I know it can be a little bit intimidating. I try not to be that way. But when we're really busy and we got to get work done, we yeah. have to get the job done. I don't have time to explain everything. Right. I guess that's where the militant side of me does come out, where my background comes in. And look, my crew boss on Flagstaff Hotshots, I know after I talked to him when I was done hot shotting, I know that he actually likes me. Yeah. I didn't think he did. I honestly yeah. didn't. He came through Reno. This was about three years after I was done hot shotting and I had been established in my business for a few years at that point. And he was going through for a conference and he calls me and he's like, I'm in Reno if you want to get some dinner. And I was thinking to myself, oh, man, I mean, I don't know if I want to get yelled at for two hours. And, <laughs> he took me out to dinner. We talked. Uh, he got bought me a nice steak dinner. It was a lot of fun. But at the end, I realized wait a minute, this guy actually likes me. He just actually asked me to dinner because he wanted to see how I was doing because he actually cares. And that, I guess, I carry over sometimes where if I really believe in somebody, I'm actually that much tougher on them. I think that's a good thing, though. I think there's a like a level of independence that you kind of need to be forced on you to really pick up on things. Like if someone's walking you through it, like holding your hand all the way through, you don't really have to learn it. Right. Because there's someone there to catch you. And I think you learn more when you kind of get thrown to the sharks and you're like, handle it, figure it out. And all of a sudden you're like, all right, I got to step my game up. I got to, I got to perform in this situation. So I think that there is a certain level of independence that you have to be put through. Uh, to really learn something. I agree. And as long as the person still knows that you at least do care, yes. like you're, you're never cruel. You know no, what I mean? You no. can be tough, but you're not cruel or cold. You're just busy and diligent. And that's, that's different from being just a prick who doesn't care. Right. Right. <laughs> you're welcome for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And well, I will say though, there are some athletes I've coached in the past that misinterpreted my coaching. Um, I think we're making you sound scarier than you are. Yeah, no, but. it's it's fine because I will say that I became less militant as I went along and decided that it was okay to show a little bit more of my personal side to my athletes. And I think we do that better than ever now. And again, people don't care about how much you know until they know how much you care. And so that's helped a lot. But there is a point where I'm going to expect my athlete or my assistant or somebody representing the Pandola brand, I'm going to expect them to do what they've been trained to do and they need to step it up. And at that point, it's a little bit of tough love. And I do believe that you have to have that as well. Mm-hmm. Tough love is still love. Right. And with that, like Zach and Grace, remember last week when I walked by you and you were helping them both out a little bit. And I think I said, "Went go in the office. Yeah. They need to figure it out together. Which is true. Right. I, yeah, it is hard to, it's hard to let go of all my little kids, but 
Fly, They're fly. In good hands. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because yeah, they were now working with the kids that you are yeah. that you were working with, and now you're going to be leaving, so they have to figure out right. how to do it. And and again, it's not like we just threw them in. We gave them the training progressions. You worked with Zach and Grace on the things that the athletes need to do. Oh yeah, They're but very then capable. at a certain point, mm-hmm. it's sink or swim, right? Mm-hmm. All right, so let's talk about your training a little bit because I know when you were running in college, one of the reasons why you had some difficulty was your shoulder at the time. Yes. You I had did. some shoulder pain. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you by looking at you, you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I right? kind of forgot. Yeah. Yeah. And part of what we talked about back then was we have to get progressively stronger. But a lot of female athletes, I think there is some differences. I don't like when I see videos or information out there about how basically this is training for women and this is training for men. I kind of call BS on that, but there are a couple things that seem to be true. One, in general, female athletes tend to recover faster than male athletes. So maybe they are going to do more sets in a set amount of time. For example, with you and I, because we've been working out together for the last few years, especially where we actually Mm -hmm. meet and work out together, which has been fantastic. And I will say that I think once that happened, it was a good thing for you in the sense that you started to really start to pick up some heavier loads. You started to do more progressive loading that way, and you were doing a little bit more arm strength type of movements that Mm -hmm. maybe you weren't doing as much before. I think most female athletes tend to go to what they're stronger in, which would be a little bit more of the glutes, a little bit more hip dominant type of movements. We have to treat the body and train the body in a balance, right? Mm -hmm. So talk to us a little bit about how your training has changed, how it's helped you. What do you prefer in your training? What works for you? Well, I think that's a good point. I didn't love to do upper body stuff. It was just harder. Like I wasn't that good at it. And I wasn't that fun because I wasn't that good at it. And I did have that shoulder pain, which also made me not want to do it, but turns out I needed to do more of it to get out of pain. And so I think working out with mostly men all the time was actually a good thing because it forced me to kind of work on those weaker areas that I didn't necessarily like doing. But then once you start doing it, you start getting better at it. It actually becomes a lot more fun where now I'm like, cool, let's do some arm stuff. And like, wow, I can do pull-ups now. Like, that's great. And I just want to clarify something for the the women listening. Wynn just said she, you know, has mostly worked out with the men. (laughs) Wynn is not a bulky buff woman. Lynn is very lean and fit. Oh, and a lot you. of women, I thank think, you. get really freaked out when they hear about, oh, we're, we're doing strength today. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They think, I don't want to have to buy new shirts because my arms get too big. Right. That's Which, such a good point. I, I really want you to talk about that. You must have other friends that have these misconceptions. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and of course, you've learned differently. Mm-hmm. But what would you say to the women listening out there that are afraid to lift heavy? It's not going to make you bigger. It's going to make you stronger, which is going to make you happier and more confident and all these good things that come with it. And I think it makes you look better. I mean, being more toned is definitely a good thing. And I think that so much of my confidence actually really just became from being so much stronger, where it's like I am physically capable of pretty much doing whatever I want to do. Like, I don't need someone to help me in basically any situation. And that, I think, just translates itself into 
every other aspect of your life. So it's silly if you're like, I don't want to deadlift heavy or I don't want to do a bicep curl even like, or I can't do pull-ups. Like you can, you just maybe haven't tried your whole life. And right? let me tell you everybody, when can do pull-ups? I can do pull-ups. A few of them. Yeah. You, <laughs> you're a beast. I mean, when Thank we you. work out together and again, our new guy, Zach, he's like, man, when strong, that's really empowering too. Mm -hmm. I'd like to now switch over to you becoming a pilot and mm -hmm. how you're going to use your physical strength. How does that help you? How does that give you confidence to go and be a pilot and possibly for the Navy, right? Yes. It is also a predominantly male field. Uh, I would not be like, I would definitely be a minority in that situation. Like there are not a lot of women pilots. I think it's some crazy statistic, like 6% of pilots are women or something like that. But I think being strong and being confident that I don't, I don't need to ask for help. I'm not like, I need your help picking this up or I need help pushing this plane backwards or whatever. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to do it. Like, you don't we, need any help pushing a plane <laughs> no, backwards? No, but no one does. Wow. It's not that hard. Oh. But, uh, but I having that confidence where you like get a good workout in, you feel better, you feel more confident, and then you're like, all right, I'm going to go fly a plane with confidence, which is what you want in that situation, obviously. And, and in most situations, even if you're doing something really easy, like typing on a computer, right? You with want confidence. <laughs> with confidence. It's going to make you better at whatever job you're about to do. So... I think being in a situation where maybe I wasn't as strong as the people I was working out around made me work harder to get to that point. I didn't want to have to modify the movement that Matt was doing or that Zach is doing. I want to be able to do it. So it, maybe it took longer and maybe I had to at the beginning, but I think that process of just keep going and keep going and keep working on it until you can do it. And then that builds confidence and then kind of translates into everything else. And the opposite is true as well. Men doing things that are traditionally girly, like for mm -hmm. example, in my own life is yoga. Yeah. Vastly majority right. female. Uh -huh. But why should my legs be any less flexible than this girl who's doing yoga next to me? Right. And well, I'm, I'm I'm talking as if I'm good at it. I'm not. I'm terrible. <laughs> and uh, Zach, your your new trainer, he does much more yoga than I do. Those silly misconceptions, these right. stereotypes that we have about male and female bodies and uh, physical fitness, a lot right. of it doesn't hold up. Like maybe if we didn't tell girls from the very beginning that they couldn't do pull-ups, maybe more girls could do them. You know, and I think that like young girls, they shouldn't be like, oh, I can't do pull-ups. I'm a girl. Like everyone can do a pull-up. You just have to keep working on it. And and so I think even at a young age, like just making that distinction where you, you're not less of an athlete because you're a girl. Absolutely. You and just, do you want to tell them that they can be pilots too? Absolutely. If you want to be. See? Yeah. Yeah. If you have one bit of advice that you'd really like to share with, especially I would say right now, the female athletes or the young Young females out there looking towards a career that are thinking to themselves, wow, she really seems like a great role model. What would you tell them right now? Uh, don't limit yourself. Like, don't put those limits on yourself. If someone else is going to tell you no, like someone else is going to tell you no, but don't let that no come from you. Let someone else give you that or let a different situation put you there. But if you don't go for it, if you don't believe that you can do it, it won't happen. So... Like life happens, things don't work out all the time. But if you don't limit yourself, the odds are much, much better. So, so don't hesitate. Like, be confident in what you're about to do, and just go for it. Matt, you've you got a lose. great quote on the wall in your gym, and I'm sorry, I don't know who to attribute this quote to. Uh, internet out there, look it up, please. But it's the quote says, "Whether you think you can or you mm -hmm. think you can't, you're probably right." 
Yeah. Absolutely. Powerful. That's Very a powerful. good one. Yeah, I think that's Henry Ford. When let's talk a little bit about what's next for you. I know you're getting ready to leave in maybe a month or so. When you transition in this next point in your life, what kind of habits, what kind of tools, what kind of your structure that you have established now are you going to use for that next challenge in your life? How are you going to use what you have now to accomplish what you want for tomorrow? The habits I have now, I think, promote a really positive, at least for me, like it's been a really positive period of my life the last couple of years. I think I've definitely grown a lot, I'm a lot more like sure of myself. And so just keep doing what I'm doing and keep working, like being that student, right? Having, seeing what I can do better on, like, can I eat better? Can I sleep better? Are there certain like workouts that I want to focus on more? Or maybe I need to journal more. I definitely do. I don't do that. Um, or I need to read more. Like there's there's always ways to improve. And so I think keeping the habits I have now, like waking up early, being productive in the morning, like staying healthy, eating well, working out, but then also finding those little bits of improvements because no one's perfect. Uh, we're all learning. We're all growing. Life's changing. Um, so how can how can you adapt? How can you like what areas of your life are kind of driving that change that you need to adapt to? And I think that's a good thing. I think people are afraid of change a lot of times, but if we weren't all changing, like life would be pretty boring. Yeah, I don't think yeah. it would last long. It wouldn't last we'd that get, long, We'd get right? bored and just give up. You would. Yeah, but I yeah. think what you just mentioned is important. You're anticipating these challenges that Absolutely. you know life is going to throw at you, but you're you're adaptable enough. Mm-hmm. You'll be ready to change when the time comes, and that's something that you learn working yeah. in the fitness industry or just being an athlete. Yeah, you I think to. challenges aren't bad right right we see this a lot like challenge or threat like when you have this obstacle in front of you is it a threat to what you're about to do or is it a challenge that is going to push you to a better performance um that's going to make force you to elevate yourself and and get to a better better outcome for yourself or or learn something new whatever it is so i i I like challenges good so i'm excited i'm excited for some new challenges and kind of change up my whole world and you better See what be. happens. You're going yeah. into the military. <laughs> Hopefully, that's the goal. Yeah. Right. She well, she's used to getting up at. You get up at 5 a.m. every morning. I do. You already said you get up early. You go for a run. You box. Yeah. Right. See, so, I mean, you're used to that. That's going to be, I think, pretty comfortable for you. That yeah. kind of structure. Mm-hmm. Right. In fact, I think you like that kind of structure. I do. Yeah. And I like so, having a routine. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there are some things that I think with your habits that you've already established that is going to make this transition easier for you. Mm-hmm. And kind of what I was getting at there for the listeners is how important it is that we have good habits that are going to support the next goal or transition in our life. When I think of good habits, I'm generally talking about habits that I'm always going to be able to use and repeat, rinse and repeat them, rinse and repeat mm-hmm. them. They're, they're valuable habits because I can use them at any point in my life. And so without putting you on the spot too much, give me your top habit. What do you think is maybe your best habit that you have? I really think waking up early is really important and like doing something at the beginning. Like if I wake up and I don't do something, my whole day is unproductive. I think it's really important to get up and do something, whether it's even like read a book or do something act for me it's do something active like I like to wake up and go on a run or go boxing or go even on a walk if it's like a 
not a hard workout day or whatever. But I really think it's important to like get up and start doing things because um, it gets you more motivated. Where if I get up and I like lay around, I'm probably going to lay around all day. I'm done for. Yeah, yep. if I'm not up doing something, I'm not. I'm not going to. So I think that is a habit that I'll always have. Um, I think probably the most successful people in the world have that same habit. Like I don't think that's an exclusive thing. But did you always do that? No. When I don't did think you start I always do that. waking up at 5 a.m.? I think the last couple of years it's been more consistent. And then it just sort of, at first it was kind of a drag. I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to run every day or I don't want to do something every day in the morning. But the more you do it, you're, the days you don't do it, you kind of feel weird. Mm-hmm. You know, it just be like, I mean, it is a habit, but it just becomes so natural. It becomes part of your life. Like this is what I do every day. And like, obviously on the weekends, I don't always do that and that kind of thing. But it's it's worth it. It's definitely worth it. And so let me so, ask you that though. Why why did you start waking up at five a.m.? Why was it a priority for you to actually do that? I think that I just noticed how much better of a person I am when I'm being productive and when I'm being active and being healthy. And I don't really compete that much anymore, but I know I'm a better person when I am challenging myself athletically. It makes me more likely to challenge myself in other areas, which helps me grow a lot more. So I think I just noticed I'm much happier, like I'm much more productive. My relationships with people are better when I'm taking care of myself. And I think that waking up early and doing something active is a big part of taking care of me. Yeah, I think you said something pretty key there too, because... You don't have to necessarily get up and go for a run. You can read a book. Yeah. You can do things that are productive for you. For you, yes. If, if it's emails that need to be addressed first thing in the morning, right. so it's not hanging over your head all day, mm-hmm. then that's the productive thing you can do. Right. But I've said for a long time, the key is that if you get up at 5 a.m., keep getting up at 5 a.m. Now, I know you get to bed around 10 normally, but... If you're getting to bed a little bit later than that, you feel tired from getting up at 5 a.m., but that next night you're going to fall asleep nice and early, aren't Mm -hmm. you? Right? So keeping those habits going are are super important. Let's shift gears a little bit more into what type of traits that you have that you feel like have been maybe keeping you back a little bit and what are you going to do to be able to accomplish a little bit more. So in other Mm -hmm. words, we all have some bad habits too. Mm -hmm. And I feel like those are also things that we have learned. Sometimes we don't realize that we've established bad habits until it's a little too late. Mm -hmm. And then we think to ourselves, oh man, that's, I wish I wasn't so dot, dot, dot all the time. Mm -hmm. Well, now you can use the same things for your why, why you establish good habits for certain things in the first place and use that towards your quote unquote bad habits, right? Right. So what's something that you would consider to be a bad habit? What kind of traits would you like to improve? Um, I hesitate sometimes. If I don't do something right when it comes into my head, I often don't do it at all. And that hesitation in every part of your life definitely limits you. So even this year, I've tried to really limit the amount that I'm hesitating, which has shown I've changed a lot of things or I'm working on changing a lot of things this year. And it, it just took kind of a conscious effort in everything I do. Like when the trash needs to be taken out if I'm going to hesitate and be like, oh, I'll do it in two hours. And then I don't do it all day. 
it just sort of like establishes that habit of hesitation where now it's like, all right, I need to do this right now. I'm going to do it right now. I'm not going to put it off two hours later because I won't do it. And so I know that about myself and just realizing that when, when I have this idea, when I want to do this, when I've made this decision, I'm going to make that decision. I'm not going to sit there sort of in the in-between deciding whether or not to do it because not deciding is... It is a decision. It's a decision not to decide, right? So you haven't made the choice. And that feels so much worse. So much worse. Once you become aware of it and you know that you're doing it, you're like, oh, man. Oh, man. I was supposed to do that hours ago. Yep. But I'm still not going to do it. Not going to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that's a great example. So when you hesitate, what's the first thing that you're saying to yourself so you just do it? Well, I think now I sort of remind myself, like, you're hesitating. Like even that just simple thing. And I'm like, oh, shoot, I said I wasn't going to do that. So now I'm going to go do it. Or even just saying like, why wait? Or like, I can do it. And just like simple things like that, where if you don't do it now, like you're not going to do it later. And so knowing those kind of habits that you have for yourself and when you think about them, you don't like them. So if you say it back to yourself, you're like, I don't want to be that person that doesn't do stuff when I say I'm going to do it. So I'm going to do it now. Yeah, I love that. I want to talk to you about what you feel like would be for your future, for your legacy, with all of these things that you're trying to do, you're trying to become a female pilot. And you said, what, 6% of the 6% of females have become, I don't know if that's a true statistic, but I I read that. that. I think she said 6% of Of pilots pilots. are female. Yes. Right. Right. Okay. Okay. So 6% of pilots are female and you want to become one of them. Mm -hmm. That in itself would be a pretty impressive legacy. Thank you. All right. But, you know, let's think now one day you're going to look back at your life or you're going to have grandkids, right? You're going to have your kids talking to your grandkids about how amazing grandma is. (laughs) What do you hope that your kids would say to their kids about you? That's a hard one. I would hope that they would say I was strong and like compassionate, interesting person that I mean I I want to do impressive things for myself like I want to have that confidence but I also I want to impact other people I want to do something positive um, that isn't just about me like I don't care if I'm the best pilot in the world necessarily if I'm not doing something good for the other people around me so I think like using your talents and using what you're good at and what you are capable of doing to have a good impact on other people um, is more important because we're all we're all in this world together, right? We're all doing this together. So yes, you should work really hard to be the best that you can be. But getting to that point, you want to lift other people up around you and you want to provide like a positive impact for the world that you live in and the world, not just my accomplishments. I, I don't want them to be about me necessarily. I want, I want it to be about how I could help other people and how I can make a difference and the short time that we have here on in our lives. And you absolutely have. Think of the clients that you have that, you know, unfortunately you do have to leave now, but I know that they will grow up remembering Mm -hmm. the things that you taught them, the way that you taught them to think and behave. You are impacting people in a positive Mm -hmm. way and you are leaving an impact. It is weird being on that end though, because I remember having coaches when I was a kid and being like, oh, they're so old and they know so much and they're so cool and I want to be just like them. And then being that person, I'm like, I don't know anything. Like I'm a tiny baby, but having these kids really like look up to you and 
I think that also kind of gives you like it's a good feeling to be like, oh, now I am that person for these people. And hopefully I impact them the way that people impacted me and kind of passing that on to the next generation of people. And I feel if you are thinking about those things, if you are questioning whether you're worthy to be a role model, you probably are. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Well, yeah. In the gym, if you're for some reason not there, first of all, you have pretty good health and recovery traits about you or habits about you because you barely have missed a day because you're sick. In the six years mm-hmm. you've been working with me, you're you're so consistent. You're I always know you're going to be there. Mm-hmm. And as far as that goes, I know that most people listening, I know myself included, we're probably balancing between chaos and control. And I know that somebody like yourself being so young, but also still having all these goals and still at the same time working as much as you do, uh, what do you do to recover? How do you stay in what you feel like good balanced health? I eat well most of the time, which I think is really important. I sleep like just basic things like I work out, I eat well, I sleep. And I also make sure that I, you know, you, you want to have that time where you're not working. You don't want to start disliking something because you do it too much, right? There's always got to be a balance. And also I work with really great people. So it doesn't always feel like work, which is great. Like finding those positive things, like even if you are doing something that isn't that great, just like enjoying being around people and having those interactions or being outside and like just really like noticing the little things makes everything a lot easier. Like yesterday at the gym, there was like this really pretty rainbow and all the girls ran outside to take a picture. And I mean, that's great. That's awesome that they're so excited about something little like that. But like, that was a great part of the day because everyone's happy and smiling. And so small things like that, I think just keep you in a better mindset, which makes you feel healthier and wants you to keep doing these good habits that keep you physically healthier too. Take the time to smell the rainbow. Yeah. I think that's what they say, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I will tell you, my daughter, Mia, really looks up to you. You're a role model for her. Well, she's a great kid. First of all, you've been babysitting her since she was a baby. Mm -hmm. Now she's seven, and I think one of the hardest parts about you leaving is telling her that you're not going to come over and babysit her anymore. Well, I'll still come. You'll still come when I from, come home. Yeah. From, <laughs> you'll fly <laughs> I'll in. I'll fly and, back just to see your oh, babysit. Yeah. yeah. Well, she absolutely loves you. And I was always impressed with the fact, by the way, that even though you were a college student, you were an assistant for me, and then you started taking over clients of your own and you, were own, or you had your own business within my business, you didn't really need to come by on a Saturday night for a few hours to watch me. I feel like you always did that because you knew that Aaron and I still need a date night once in a while. Mm-hmm. So you always came to the rescue and watched me. You didn't just sit you know, by the TV, though, when you came by the house, you would always ask her, what do you want to do tonight? And geez, you know, Mia, she wants to go to the park on her scooter <laughs> and then she wants to swing and then she wants to climb and she wants to run around and you're doing all these things with her. Then you get back and you're doing puzzles together. You're doing games. She's teaching you how to play dose and mm-hmm. 
all of these things that I really appreciated because, again, you weren't just there to watch her and just do the job. You did more than that. And that's just who you are. That's everything you do. You do more than you're expected to do. You over deliver in everything, I guess what I'm trying to say. And I don't know if you even know this, but you are an inspiration for me, for my daughter. I know my wife feels the same way. Because when we saw the movie Brave, you guys ever watch cartoons? I will say my my daughter is I've watched more <laughs> yeah, that's Disney why. movies. Sure, that's why. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I will say it's my guilty pleasure. It's like, oh honey, you wanna watch you wanna watch a Disney movie tonight? Or okay, you know. But um I love I love watching these animated movies, whether they're so much fun. They make them for adults too. Mm-hmm. But this movie, Brave, it's about this young princess, and she has red hair, very beautiful and fit and all these things. And so at first I thought Mia was ta- was saying, uh, when is like Brave, like the girl in Brave? And at first I thought it was just because you resembled her, but... In this movie, this girl's a princess. She's supposed to marry one of these princes. She doesn't have to marry all of them. Oh. Uh, she, she's, big difference there. Yeah, big difference. So she's supposed to marry one of these guys. And it's going to be the guy who wins a contest of skill. So she, as the princess, gets to pick the contest. So she picks uh, the bow and arrow. They've got to they've got to try to get a bullseye with this bow and arrow. Well, she shows up in disguise and beats them all. And she dis- announces when she wins the contest that she doesn't want to marry any of them. Mm-hmm. And of course, this is just a character in a movie, but it represents you in so many ways. And I think that's why Mia uh, thought of you because you had a well-established job with me. I even offered you a future partnership in my business because that's how much I believe in you. And I also quite honestly, owe you that much because you helped to build my business more than anyone besides my wife has. And so for that reason, I offered you that position. And I know you thought about it for a while, but then that's when you decided you were going to become a pilot. And you, of course, being you, you gave me plenty of time to find somebody else And so there's just so many good things I can say about that where you cared enough about the Pandola culture that you didn't want to just leave the kids without having somebody who really equally cared about them with now Zach and and Grace. We have that thanks to the fact that you gave me six months to train them up. And I, again, can't thank you enough for that. But you are brave. I, I think that that is how I will always think of you. That's the legacy in my mind that you've left for myself, for my daughter, for the kids who look up to you in the gym. You are brave. You've taken chances. You do things that not a slam dunk that it can be done, but you decide that you're going to do it. And I can't tell you how much I respect you as a person. Better people make better athletes. I don't know a better person when. Oh, thank you. That's so nice. <laughs> that is so sweet. <laughs> when I would just say that I know, obviously, I have lots of female friends. I've known you for years, and I have plenty of friends that I would worry about going into the military. Mm-hmm. Tough ones, too. I don't worry about you at all. 
because I've seen you grow from this quiet kind of like quirky kid into this very <laughs> confident young woman. And I think you will own whatever you put your mind to. That's the message that uh, I hope the listener takes home as well. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. Fly, beautiful bird. Fly. Oh, fly, fly. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Pandola Project, everybody. If you like the show, tell a friend or give us a review. Thanks to our sponsor, Reno Running Company, where they have all the gear and advice to get you going and keep you going. Get in touch on Facebook or by email at pandolaproject at gmail.com. Talk to you next week.